You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Man Down. Man Down. Some years ago, a Navy SEAL buddy of mine that I discipled for a long time had a case of books, and he pulled one out when we met, handed me this book. It was before a Thanksgiving where I would be off with my family, and that book was Lone Survivor. So he hands me this book, and I remember reading it over Thanksgiving and where I was with my family, kind of went out in the woods, and I remember reading this book and just sitting in the woods crying. I knew no one in that book. But my buddy who gave me the book knew almost all of those guys that were killed. So this is not some casual thing for him. Therefore, it was not for me. I've never served in the military. I meet with a lot of guys and men and women, mostly men that I meet with who have lost people, whether that's flying missions or in a battle on the ground. It's intense, but it can happen to us as a church to me as a pastor. And I've been praying about this word for a few days and almost used this word as the title of today's sermon, but hesitated. I'm pissed because one of our guys, a guy that showed up here a number of years ago, was using, dealing, would get clean and sober, couldn't make enough money in a job, would go back out and deal, into rehab, out of rehab, helping him, his wife, I've known his kids since they were little bitty kids. And he is dead today. Found in a convenience store bathroom with drug paraphernalia and whether he deliberately took himself out or just overdosed, he's dead. Now let me tell you something about dead. You're dead, you're gone. Now there was a time on the planet when Jesus was around and I'm not saying this still can't happen. Somebody could die and Jesus would show up and raise him from the dead. I haven't had any of my dead friends experience that. Now you say, well, why does that affect you? Because this man was my brother. I have poured my life into this man. You say, well, who took him out? Why is there a man out? Why are we a man down? Yes, it is because the enemy is a snake, is a liar. But some of this is because we have the ability to make choices. I share this all the time. I used to meet with people. I'd find out they were Christian. I'd say, hang in there. You're going to make it. That is a total lie. You're going to make heaven. You cannot make it down here unless you make choices. You have to every day choose to follow Jesus or not. And if you don't follow him, you will go back to your old way of life, unfortunately. You'll default to whatever you came from. I did a sermon a while back called Casual Ties. When you have casual ties with sin, you put those together and you end up with casualties. You run your finger through a flame, through a candle. Next thing you know, that's not enough. Now you're lighting things on fire. Now you got the, you know, and then the house burns down. Whoa, how'd that house burn down? I have no idea. I can't imagine someone playing with fire. So why is this so frustrating for me? 
because I had plans for this man. I was not just trying to help him be a better father and husband, and that was it. We are trying to raise up an army, people who get up on their feet and can fight for themselves and for others. And when they encounter someone who's down, they can say, look, you don't have to live this way. There's hope, there's purpose, there's meaning. The enemy is lying to you like he lied to me, and I'm not going back and neither are you, and you can surround a person like that, but they can still make stupid decisions. I still have capacity to make foolish decisions. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with God, the enemy can come for you. So these are verses we read around here all the time. Matthew 28, 19. Last thing he says, leaving the planet, go therefore, or as you're going, make disciples. What are we trying to do? Make disciples. Why are we trying to make disciples? I sit with men every week of my life and am comforted on one side because I look at these men and I say to them, I know it's going to be okay. You are part of the reason that I'm going to be able to die in peace because I have given my life to men and women like you, and when I'm gone, you'll pick up the sword, you will keep fighting, and then you will pass it on to someone else. But if something's being passed on to you and you trivialize that, or you play with sin and the enemy, and then you're taken out, that is very expensive. I'll tell you, it's very expensive for someone like me. You know some of my story, I know all of almost y'all's stories. And we get baited and trapped, and I'll read you those verses, and he gets us in a bad place and back to a bad place. If I'm counting on it, then how much more is Jesus counting on his soldiers, his servants? There's no backup plan. He'll come back and take us out of here, but he's not going to come back and do what he left us here to do. It's us. You say, well, why do I get shot at all the time? Because you're in the fight. They don't waste their bullets on prisoners of war. You say, well, I don't know what he's talking about. Nobody's shooting at me. Yeah, because you're in a cell somewhere. They don't shoot at you because you bring no threat. So on the one hand, we're supposed to march on the gates of hell because they won't prevail against us. And on the other hand, we're supposed to fight till we reach the pearly gates. So as you're going, make disciples. That's the command of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But it's this baton being passed on and on and over and over again. Romans chapter 8. Now, if there were no answers, and there was no hope, and there's no help, and there's no power, then you say, well, there's no chance. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. As a Christian, you can either walk according to the flesh, just in your body, I want this, I think this, I feel this, I'm gonna go get this and do this. If you've got desire for stealing, for sex, for whatever your thing is, if you live in the flesh, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go back to that. You either walk according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. Now look at these verses, verse two. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death are a law. You cannot stop sin and death unless a greater law, like the law of aerodynamics, can take a multi-ton plane and it will fly because the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So I have capacity when confronted with temptation, with sin, I have power available in me to fly over that sin. 
But if I choose not to and say, well, I'm interested in this sin, I will stay in the flesh, fulfill the desires of the flesh, and then what's your life gonna end up being? You'll end up, you say, well, I'm not gonna end up in a convenience store bathroom. I can tell you where we're all gonna end up, in front of a holy God, and you better have some answers. You say, well, I'll have a good attorney. Oh, I'll have a good attorney too, Jesus, but he's my attorney and the one I have to face. Verse three, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live, now look, you say, well, I don't understand the Bible. Look at this, verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So if all I think about is things of the flesh, I'm going to live in the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So what do I spend my time thinking about? How I can serve God, how I can follow Him, trust Him, love Him, worship Him, or go screw my whole life up. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What is everybody looking for? You would think life and peace. So churches are filled with people who someone told you if you were born into a certain family or in a certain, you know, whatever, that made you a Christian. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And that is the only reason you have power over sin when you try to take on sin. You cannot not sin, and when you die, you cannot not end up in hell. I don't owe the flesh anything. This body has gotten me in so much trouble. And I will fight this flesh till the day I die. And when I get to heaven, I will not live in this thing anymore. And so the devil shames you. You can't go anywhere. You can't go out in public. This is a thing you can't even talk about in church almost. Don't let the devil lie to you and trap you in something. And then you say, well, I can't get out. Yes, you can. It's not about getting out of your body. It's about not letting your body run your life. You say to him, I'm tired of this mess. You run this thing. That's the spirit of God taking over. At six years of age, I hear the gospel. It's very crystal clear. I make a decision. I choose Jesus. For some reason, I kind of thought that once I loaded the program, I just hit run. It's all going to be good. It didn't work out that way. Why is discipleship so huge? Because you have to help people understand, learn how to walk in the spirit, how to walk with Jesus, how to follow him, how to trust him, how to obey him, how to be willing to suffer in the flesh, to say no to the flesh and it be okay. Yes, it's painful, but boy, is it better. So we need each other. And finally, after a lot of problems and a lot of pain, God sent me some help. That's what we're supposed to be, help for someone else. So when a guy dies that I'm counting on to be one of those people, I'm gonna read you a verse in a minute that two weeks before this man died, he sat in our men's gathering next to me and heard everything I said, and I'm gonna read it in a minute back to you. I've read this repeatedly here. And he heard all of that and is still dead. 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, go down to verse 24. Now, I've never seen this quite this way till before preparing for this. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. These categories given are very specific categories. Some people never run in a race. They have no interest. They don't want to run. They're not thinking about winning. They're not thinking about anything. 
This category of people are people who have said, I'm going to prepare. You don't just run in a race, go, oh, I heard there's a marathon Tuesday. I think I'll enter and see what happens. You'll have a heart attack and die within the first two miles. You're not prepared. So you prepare in these categories. You run that you may obtain it. Number 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. So these are people who are down the road, right? And saying, I've prepared for this. I've planned for this. I'm trying to win. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. So I'm not just running around, oh, there's a pretty road. I'll take that road. You're running the race. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air. If you're a fighter, you prepare to fight and you fight. But I discipline my body, bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So why am I trying to pay attention to my own life? I don't want to be disqualified. I get shot at every day, all day long, all week long. If you don't pray for me, God help you and me and our other elders. You think, oh, well, I just, I found a really cool church and I go to that church. Let me tell you something. This is not an attending function. I don't mind you coming and visiting and seeing, but if you plan to come here, if you're a young Christian, we intend to grow you up. If you're a mature Christian, this is what I love, is the mature Christians show up and they got Jack. If you're so mature, you're going to be jumping in saying, okay, how can I serve? All these Christians deceiving themselves thinking, oh, because I know all these scriptures and all these Greek words, I must be mature. No, you just got a brain full of information. You might be two weeks old. 1 Corinthians 10. You say, well, this stuff's in the Bible. Yeah, you got to pay attention to what's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. Talking about the Old Testament, go back and read like Numbers. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So what's the implication? That Jesus is taking care of them in the wilderness with Moses. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. So they all leave Egypt. Okay, so you have been saved, you've left Egypt, but it is possible to leave Egypt and on the way to the promised land, screw everything up. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These people are dropping dead. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So why did they drop? Because they started whining, complaining, not trusting, lusting after other things instead of chasing after God. And he dropped them. Now you say, well, are you saying God's going to take me out? He may not have to. We're so good at it by ourselves. In the New Testament, people got taken out for doing the Lord's Supper without respect. It says many sleep among you or are sick. This is the thing nobody draws a correlation. You say, well, I've been sick for a while. I wonder what that could be tied to. Oh, it must have been those kids in the nursery. No, maybe you took the Lord's Supper like no big deal. Why don't you ask him where it's traceable to and say, Lord, I think this is what it was. And he says, yeah, you're right. I confess that. Please heal my body. Verse seven, and do not become idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, if some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, 
upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You are not home till you're home. So I get frustrated with somebody who dies, and then the Holy Spirit says to me, dude, what? you're all upset about him. Look at you. Are you chasing after me? Are you being careful? I know we got kids listening, and the world's lost its mind. You better pay attention to what people who know God are trying to tell you. You say, well, I'm all woke, and you, you old people are crazy. Don't ask how old we are. Look at the scriptures. They're pretty old, and they've been true for a long time. Don't determine what you're going to believe by the age of the one that brings you the message. Maybe these old people have learned something that if you'd pay attention, you can avoid a lot of pain. I can smoke me some weed. It's not going to be any big deal. You know, it just, I just chill. I keep hearing about these idiot adults going off to Colorado buying a bag of gummy bears, and, you know, they say, ah, what are you, like 12? What are you doing? Grow up already. Oh, I got high. and Yeah, and what happened? People that get high fall down hard. Well, how'd you end up having an affair? Oh, I drank too much, and, you know, things got out of hand, but it wasn't really me. It was the alcohol, so it doesn't really mean anything. Oh, let's run that by your wife. Oh, I see what you mean, sweetie. That's good. Let's go get us some Chick-fil-A. Somehow it doesn't work out that way, does it? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So I promise you, you got no new sin, no new temptation. So there's no temptation but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You can never say the devil made me do it. You can never say it was, it was just more, I'm just overwhelmed. I just couldn't say no. There is always a way of escape. He has built into his plan. I know for a fact, I have never been tempted beyond my ability to say no and get out of the situation. Not going to happen. You say, well, then how do you sin? I'm an idiot. Therefore, my beloved brethren, flee from idolatry. I speak to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. Like, pay attention to what God's trying to do now. Look what he did in the wilderness with his people. There's consequence. All I'm telling you is I'm not going to be the person that you get to heaven and say, oh, nobody told me. He's going to say, yeah, they did. You were awake, but you slept right through it. Or things start to happen in your life as a consequence of your choices and you go, well, this ain't right. Why is God doing this to me? No. You brought all this mess on yourself. You say, well, I'm not going to change. Let me tell you something. There's two lines that collide, either death or consequence. And sooner or later, if consequence hits you before death does, and you say, you know what, God? Uncle, I'm out. Father, I'll do what you say. How much more time's got to go by? How much more pain do you have to bring on yourself and the people around you? Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests. 
a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Now, here's the challenge. This person described could be you. And the question is, are you willing to ask God or anyone around you that is godly say, is that me? Do you think I've been taken captive by the enemy to do his will? What else do you think it is? Why are we doing the things we're doing? Well, the devil doesn't have any power over me. I got Jesus living in me. I kind of have this image of being at an event somewhere walking down the street and somebody comes up and puts her arm around me, walking down the street, say, hey, how are you? I'm so-and-so and I think you know so-and-so. I'm like, wow, great to see you. And then all of a sudden their grip gets tighter and a van door opens and they say, hey, you're, come with us. You're coming with us. And then all of a sudden I realize, ooh, I'm in trouble. I'm not in control anymore. And now I'm in the van, and now I'm being taken somewhere. You say, well, how did all that happen? I got taken captive. You say, that's not going to happen to me. Maybe not. Maybe it already has. Who's running your life? The flesh? The spirit. What do you have desire for? What do you spend your time thinking about doing? You know, I've never been drunk. I don't drink. I don't think about it. But I talk to guys with alcohols or deal. Man, they're just thinking about getting another drink the whole days. Am I right? Anybody know anything about this? Where am I going to get another drink? Right? All day long. Liquor store. Only thing I need a liquor store is, is that, what is that? Uh, zing Zang, that tomato juice stuff. I like that tomato juice. What's that called? Zing something. See, you people, everybody knows the answer. Like, ah, oh, they'll think I'm an alcoholic if I give them the answer. So, <laughs> what do you think about all day long? Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do? Who are the people you want to be around? That'll tell you tons right there. You say, well, I'm, you know, as a woman, I spend time with some really nice women. What do you and your nice women spend all your time talking about? Other people that aren't present? Devouring, biting, and devouring one another? You can dress up and do that. It's still sin. Have tea with it and some coffee. Well, we're not talking about anybody. We're just sharing prayer concerns. Why don't you spend some time praying then? <laughs> See, this doesn't take long to diagnose. So, what happened to these people? And what's the goal? To correct them, to help them, and ask God to grant them repentance. So what does repentance mean? Change your mind. So you go to do your sin, and you remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Well, that's, there's a way out of this. It's not that I'm being tempted beyond what I'm able. Then we say, well, Lord... I don't really want to walk away from this sin. I like this sin. And he says, well, what if I helped you change your mind about your sin? Repent. Ooh, I'm still going to have to walk away. Yeah, but then you're going to get life and peace and me and not be taken captive by the devil anymore to do his will. Yeah, that sounds right, Lord. I don't feel it right now. I feel like I want to do what I want to do. But I see that that's going to kill me. Okay, help me. For some reason, I always go back to the end of Shawshank. And all those people, all those men been in prison their whole lives, 40, 50 years. Finally, they get out and either hang themselves in that little room, carve their name and hang themselves, or they go buy a gun, hold up a store. Why? So they can go back to what they're used to. And I don't want to go back. The devil makes things very enticing. But there's nothing like walking with Jesus. There's nothing like peace 
and joy and love and no shame and no fear and being able to live your life so that as you walk, if you take one step here and the next step you're dead, you step right into his presence and never miss a beat. So we're a man down around here, but I am praying and I hopefully we are praying as a church and wherever you are personally, whether a part of this church or another one, you better pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you. If you have had people try to correct you and he is granting you repentance, act on it and escape the trap, the snare of the devil. Another picture I have is going fishing and catching fish and there's a thing that happens to fish before they die. They get placed on a string and pulled in the water sometimes by the boat. Now they're not dead yet. They're on the way. But what if someone came along and cut that rope, cut that string? They're gone. My Jesus can cut your fishing string and you can swim away even though you've been caught captive by the devil to do his will. I'd like to be recaptured by Jesus to do his will. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.